Only the quiet ones will be left. My mother, my little sister, and me. Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and tonight I'm just, I'm going to call it the Strout family because it's literally involves everybody in the family. Diane and Mark Strout were high school sweethearts. They were married and living in Springfield, Missouri, and they had four children, three girls and one boy, Sean, Sarah, Rachel, and Brianna. The whole family loved to play music. Mark was in his band. Diane played the organ and Rachel played the flute at their Lutheran church. Mark was in a local blues band called Messing with Destiny. He was the lead singer and guitarist. But since he only made money when they performed, money was tight. It's easy to say that Diane, being a nurse, she was the breadwinner. But he would try to take extra jobs, just find ways to make money. It didn't help that all the children, for the most part, did have special needs. Sean, who was 26, he was actually on the spectrum for autism, so he was still living at home. Brianna, who was 9, she was having some learning disabilities. And Sarah, who was 24, was a university graduate with high grades, but she wasn't able to keep a job. So she had a lot of college debt that she wasn't able to repay. So she was also home, still living with her parents. They had a full plate. That Easter Sunday, April 8th of 2012, tragedy would strike when Mark suddenly died. Diane found Mark, who he was 61 at the time, dead in their bed. Didn't look like any signs of foul play or anything, but they did find blood around his mouth. She told the police that he was having flu-like symptoms for a few days, but everybody was shocked. Nobody could believe that he was gone. Mark didn't always have the best habits. You know, he didn't always eat right. He drank alcohol, up late at night with the band. His death was ruled to be natural causes. After Mark passed, Diane received $20,000 due to a life insurance policy that he had. She wanted a fresh start. She said, you know what? We're moving. So her and her family, they moved into a new neighborhood and a larger house. Why any larger? I don't know. Just five months later, 147 days, Sean was found dead on the floor of his bedroom. He also had flu-like symptoms up until his death. And there was also blood around his mouth, just like his dad. It was the same symptoms. Diarrhea, nausea, body aches, headaches. Like, what is going on in that house? Like, do you maybe have mold? Both bodies were cremated. People were starting to question a little bit. Multiple people who knew the family did observe that Diane wasn't exactly mourning like people thought maybe she should. She didn't have any grief over the loss of Mark or Sean. She was on Facebook a lot, but she wasn't saying anything about Mark, anything about Sean. Instead, her and Rachel 
would trade art pictures and whatever else because Rachel loved art. So she spent a lot of time on Facebook posting all that stuff. But nobody seemed to be sad about losing family members. It just kind of rubbed people the wrong way. People said that she appeared standoffish about the details. Friends of Rachel were also kind of like, what is happening? She didn't even mention that her father died. Instead, she posted a poem by Goute Werfers called The Night Song 2. It's a short poem that was written in 1780 that's about the silence of nature and how we all go to sleep sometime. It reads, The hills are still, the birds are quiet, and soon we will be too. Overall, the hilltops, it is still, and all the treetops, you can hardly feel a breath stirring. Little birds are silent in the woods. Wait, soon you too will be still. Okay, that doesn't really flow, but I get where that's going. Michael Straw was a relative to Mark. He told People Magazine that they didn't even have any kind of service for Sean. Nobody even knew that Sean had passed until another relative had stumbled upon it. That's not normal behavior. Another person who spoke out was Robert Mancuso. He was also in the band Messing With Destiny. During Mark's service, he recalled stating that Diane was more behaving like she was hosting a party than awake. There was no sadness. At the time, he thought maybe it was just her way of grieving, getting through it. It wasn't until June of 2013 when Sarah was hospitalized with similar side effects and she was admitted in critical condition with organ failure and neurological damage. This really raised eyebrows. What is happening in that house? That's when people really started saying, all right, we need to look into this more because something's not right. Police would receive an anonymous tip that actually ended up coming from their local church, stating that they think that Mark, Sean, and Sarah are all connected somehow, some way. They all have the same symptoms. Unfortunately, the truth would be far more sinister. Looking into Diane's account, seeing what she's up to, they could see she was planning a trip to Florida. Right after Sarah was hospitalized, they charged her with murder for Mark and Sean and trying to kill Sarah. Diane didn't even really try to hide it. She confessed. She put antifreeze in their drinks. She hated her family. She told police that. She thought they were burdens. Mark was lazy. And she said by the time that she actually did this, she hated his guts. He would throw things when he was mad. She didn't want to deal with it anymore. Detective Neil McAmis was the one to question Diane. And he asked her, is Rachel in on this? And she repeatedly said no, she wouldn't hurt a fly. She just kept praising Rachel. It was clear to everybody, Rachel was her favorite child. She didn't even try to hide it. She had only posted one picture of Sarah, and that's when she graduated from college. And the caption was, Sarah got her diploma. Like, no warm and fuzzies, there, there was nothing. Not good job, honey. It's just, hey, she graduated. It might have even said the school, I don't know. But it wasn't much. 
while he has her there and he's investigating her, there's people at their home going through shit. This woman told police she said that Sean was more than a pest because he never left the house. He didn't like socializing because he was autistic. Diane next told police the reason why she was going after Sarah was because she didn't want to have to pay Sarah's mountain of debt. She racked up a lot of student loans and she didn't want to pay for it. Her daughter couldn't keep a job. Diane also confessed that the whole reason why she took Sarah to the hospital was because she didn't want her to die in the house. It was it was going to stink. Police also have Rachel in another room and they're asking her, do you have any involvement? And she is denying everything. She doesn't know of anything. And they don't know if they should take her word for it or maybe look into something a little more. But they wouldn't have to wait long. A secret purple diary that she hid in her closet was found while they were searching the home. This diary pretty much... Sign sealed, delivered her fate. There was a diary entry on June 13th of 2011. Rachel had written in that diary. This was before her dad died. She wrote, It's sad when I realized how my father will pass on in the next two months. Sean, my brother, will move on shortly after. It will be tough getting used to the changes, but everything will work out. After Sean's murder, Rachel had posted a selfie on Facebook of herself smiling. The post read, Don't think I've seen mom so chilled out like this in a long time. So now they know for a fact Rachel, she might not have done anything with the antifreeze, but she knew her family members were going to die. They confront Diane about the diary, and that's when she's like, okay, yeah. You know, she she knew. Rachel also knew the gig was up and was like, yes, okay, I did know. She told them that she felt bad about her brother's death, that it was unfair. That instead, they should have put him in an assisting living facility. For Sarah, she really didn't want her to die in the house because Rachel had taken the room that Sean had. After he passed away, she moved into that one, and she said that it just felt really unsettling in there. So she didn't want that to happen in another room. God forbid you be unsettled. So now police know that they used antifreeze, but how? They told him that they sneaked it into energy drinks for Mark. He drank those a lot. And for Sean, they put it in his soda because that's what he drank. They even went online to buy a special antifreeze because I guess this one won't have a taste. They didn't want one that was going to make them go, "Mm, what is this? Antifreeze that's like sold over the counter, they add a bittering agent to it. So they bought it online so you wouldn't be able to taste it. It would be hidden. Rachel had one more thing she needed to tell police. And this is when their eyes were like, what the fuck? Brianna was up next. They were going to poison her too. She was 11 at the time. When they asked Rachel, why would you want to kill her? 
She was also a burden because of her learning disabilities. They didn't want to have to deal with it. She said, I know there's no way in hell I'd be able to take care of her. I can't take care of me. How could I ever take care of her? They were both arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of assault. When they looked through Rachel's purse, they found a written bizarre poem that read, Only the quiet ones will be left. My mother, my little sister, and me. Rachel pled guilty in May of 2015 on two accounts of second-degree murder and one count of first-degree assault. Diane pled guilty to two counts of murder in January of 2016. She was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. They both tried to appeal. Rachel said she was scared of men. (laughs) Rachel tried to say that being in an interview room alone with a male detective was like being flayed alive. think that's a little overboard. Rachel was arguing that when their lawyers were appointed, that her fear of men was not accommodated, leading to miscommunication, coercion, and mental duress. Everywhere that I looked, nobody really knows whatever happened to Brianna. After those two were arrested, she didn't have anybody really left. People Magazine said that she was placed in foster care, and I think they probably gave her a new name. Sarah survived this, but she suffered severe organ damage and neurological damage as the result of the antifreeze. Sarah read this statement in court. I prefer to be a survivor than a victim. I forgive my mom for what she did to me, but she not only took away my dad and my brother, but she took away my lifestyle, livelihood, and my independence. Sarah was on the dean's list during... Her time at the university, she was very smart. Unfortunately, now she's living in an assisted living facility due to the effects of the poison in her body and her mental state. That's not fair. I also looked on the Simaholic. I don't know if I'm saying that right. The (laughs) Simaholic and the U.S. Sun. That's just crazy to me that you could wipe out your entire family because... Little things that you don't like about them. The U.S. Sun, to call your children a burden like that, that just breaks my heart. And everybody said it was so obvious that Rachel was the favorite. I'm sure those kids knew that. And that's just, it's heartbreaking. I don't know if I believe Rachel when she said, you know, she really didn't want these things to happen. But, you know, her mom was the driving force, which I'm sure that is true. I just don't know how bad she really didn't want it. Thank God they found that diary. That way, you never know. She could have been walking out among us. And that is scary shit. My thing is, did you really think people weren't going to be like, what is happening? I mean, it was five months between the two. And then you go for the third. And then you were going to go for the fourth. You think anybody was going to bat an eye? It's insanity. What do you think of this case? Could you imagine knowing somebody who literally just wiped out their whole family? Make sure that you are liking, following, and subscribing on one on all platforms. Leave a five-star review on either Apple or Spotify. Always remember that abuse is not okay. Murder, not, not okay. 
If you or someone you know is going through things and you really need to get your hands on phone numbers, let me be your lifeline. Head over to crimeovercocktails.com. I have a whole page dedicated to phone numbers in case you need help with your mental health, substance abuse, anger issues, anything like that. You can also listen to episodes, become a Patreon, or check out merch. All right, you guys. We'll talk crime another time. Bye.